Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on December twentieth, two thousand twenty-two. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, not covered in tits. Epping rage. And how do you know this? I mean, I don't have a camera on. Fair enough. On today's show, we'll of course be discussing the games that we have played. A U.S. senator presses valve on Nazi content. Sony's 210-pound, that's British pound, DualSense Edge controller will have a worse battery life than the original. And we will have a Steam Discovery queue tonight, likely. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. We have a short news week, probably a short games discussion, and we, uh, you know, it's the holidays. People are doing stuff, so we didn't get any Community Corner submissions this week, so there's a good chance we'll do at least one Discovery queue. If not more. If not more. Um, how has your week been? Uh, well, I was sick again. Yep. The joys of uh, being married to a teacher, right? Yep. I'm about to be sick soon. The joys of, of being married and having a, a child. Well, for me, it was just a head cold this time. So, yo, I wasn't out of it, but I had one hell of like a sinus headache. Friday, Saturday, and going to Sunday. So. Yeah, my family's passing around some kind of stomach bug. So. Yeah, it's called COVID. Should you get your vaccines? No, not COVID this time. Maybe. Probably. I don't know. Since there's none of those telltale other symptoms of COVID, we've not tested. It's all like gross stuff that's coming out, you know? From the top and bottom ends. Anyways, I will I will spare any more details. If my wife ever hears this, she's going to kill me. But yeah, that's probably what awaits me in a day or two. Three if I'm lucky, so I can be sick on Christmas. Yeah, it's yeah. I was going to say, good thing it's not like Christmas coming up or anything. I still right. got my... Well, I was going to do holiday baking over the weekend, but it seemed like a really, really, really bad idea to have the oven fired up while, you know... Uh, my head was absolutely pounding. Because that's what I need to do. In there doing measurements while, you know, uh, you know, you have kind of like that head cold fog. Yeah. So Me- Mess up a bunch of stuff, spill flour everywhere, start a oh, fire. I spill, hey, I spill flour or everywhere just, you know, uh, as uh, normal operating. I can do that just fine on my own. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, if the... Baking cocaine isn't all over the place. I'm not really baking. That's true. You're not doing a good job. You haven't made a huge fucking mess. Yeah, That's how you know you care, though. That's how you know you're you're cooking with love. You just make yeah. a giant fuck off. Yeah, mess. but it's delicious. So uh, and uh, cleaning up. So I, I need to uh, forgive that. Yep. Uh, also, also I make peanut butter stuff, and that also helps. Yeah. I'm. I'm end up normally. Katie cooks dinner on Tuesday night, but she's diseased so i uh, i made chili tonight that was pretty easy to make we had all the stuff could just set it and forget it for a while because i had shit to do when i got home today yeah me i just uh thawed out some hamburgers and made some quick hamburgers and going to do pasta tomorrow that will eat up the rest of the spinach 
uh, it's that one pasta recipe that yeah, has like almost a pound of spinach <laughs> in it as well. Because right, yeah, it sounds good though. Oh, if you pasta like spinach, I do like spinach. Well, this is like spinach and uh, garlic and uh, broccoli all blended up, and it looks like yeah, uh, puke green, but it's delicious. I'm not a huge like presentation person in terms of like, ooh, that looks gross. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I guess it's you know nice if it looks nice, but I mostly mm-hmm. care about if it tastes good. Well, if you like uh, spinach and broccoli, well, well, only do I have the recipe for you. I do like spinach and I do like broccoli. Spinach has grown on me over the years. I used to not like spinach. Used to be like, oh, this weird lettuce. <laughs> but well, it probably helps that you know. Whenever I make spinach, it's not, you know, boiled to the absolute uh, uh, <laughs> death, right? Yeah, I guess that's the thing. I learned how to cook. My parents were both good cooks at the things that they were good at cooking at, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, what they could do, they could do well, and everything else turned out gross. And my yeah. mom would often overcook the shit out of vegetables, leaving them all mushy and weird. Uh, same, especially on vegetables here. So that's why I would like eat raw uh, broccoli over uh, cooked broccoli because I, I remember, yeah, it being boiled so much that you bite into it, it just sprays water. Yeah. It's not so much a bite, it is, it is a squish. Yeah. Speaking of a squish, uh, games we played? Sure. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? We've each only got one, so. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first since this is one that you're actually curious about as well. So, okay. Potion Craft, Alcubus Simulator. The latest in the simulator games I've played this year, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, this is... I played this on Game Pass. I did not play this on uh, Steam, even though there is going to be a Steam link in the comment, or in the uh, show notes. So, uh, Alcubus Simulator, it's a shop sim slash alchemy slash like life sim thing going on. Uh, or light sim light. Where you are a roaming alchemist who comes across the town that has a abandoned building. You basically co-op that to build an alchemy shop. And as you build up a reputation for either good or bad, uh, you uh, attract customers to sell your goods as you try to perfect your alchemy skills and explore, you know, what it is to be an alchemist. It does have a little bit of like life sim where uh, you're having to tend your garden to uh, get some of your herbs, although that is just kind of like random what pops up at the start of each day. Uh, the Steam store does say that they're going to expand upon this in the future because right now it's kind of there and that's about it. And that's really what I can say about a lot of the game, is that there's a lot of promise, but they never really go into it. And it, this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but it feels like this game should be on mobile. Alright? For, for a few reasons. It's not just, you know, this is a, a simple game. This belongs on a phone. Although, that could also work. Uh... The way that you interact with the shop is all very tactile. Where you take your ingredients uh, from your uh, 
well, inventory. And you either uh, put them in the pot directly or you're putting them in the mortar or pestle and grinding them up. And as you grind them up, depending on the ingredient that you're using and the element that's aligned to, uh, yeah, the classic four elements are earth, fire, air, and uh, water. Uh, it changes the direction that you're moving on the actual map in the background. So if you look at like uh, the very first screenshot, uh, you can see... Uh, the start of a potion where you're in the center of the alchemy map and whatever ingredient they're grinding is producing a line on the map and all ingredients have like a primary state where it's a whole ingredient that if it's put in the potion it goes so far on this trail and each uh, item has their own pattern but also uh, their own affinity. So, like I said, if you're doing a fire-focused uh, item, it's going to be going to the left, which is where fire is on the alchemy map. But, you know, if it's like fire-air, it might be going, instead of all the way to the left, it'll be going, like, from, instead of the 9 o'clock position, it might be going, like, 10, uh, uh, 10.30. And as you move around the map, you're picking up uh, well, first of all, experience books, which will allow you to level up to get traits, which honestly are all okay. They're very, you know, just kind of there, you know, just, uh, they're just, uh, like flat percentage bonuses to getting a, uh, uh to getting how much uh, money you get from, uh, selling something or, uh, a radius increase on how far you can see on the alchemical map to be able to try to plot out you know, where to go next if you're not building a particular potion. Uh, but uh, the idea of building a potion is you're going to these effects that are at set spots on the map. And the closer you line up your icon, your potion icon, to that effect when you kind of like finalize it, which I'll get to, it determines the grade, which there's one to three on the strength of it. And to get three, you have to be pretty much like spot on. You'll like zoom in very, very gentle motions. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get a two, which sells well, but not nearly as well. So it really pays off to try to build up a recipe that has like tier three effects that you could just save. Uh, but it, it feels very tactile where you're sitting there with the border pestle grinding uh, with the mouse. And it feels like uh, I, I bring the analogy of Monument Valley where uh, while the game is still good on PC, there's something about how moving everything with your finger on a touchscreen made it feel like it was more connected to the game world. And it feels like that would be the same here where, you know, grinding with the mortar and pestle would feel more connected if you're doing it on a touchscreen. Where you're stirring to move your potion along the path that you determined uh, would feel well, more connected. And as well as running the bellows to essentially finalize that potion effect once you get to a spot. Uh, would, you know, feel more satisfying. But that's a minor gripe. I think my big gripe with the game is that 
it, it feels like the skeleton of a really great game. It's not a bad game because it's a skeleton of a game, but it gets repetitive very quickly until you do a lot of the challenges, which some of them are kind of counterintuitive or you have to really go out of your way to uh, to try to get them. Like, why would you ever want to get three effects on a potion unless a customer is specifically asking for it? Because that's just wasting money. So, yeah, until you go in and start looking at, like, the essentially the achievements list, you know, you're not going to progress because, it, and it just doesn't feel natural. And the fact that you have the same customer showing up time and time again for, you know, uh, how many times can this woman get locked out of her house and blow the door up? And yes, that is the solution. Whenever somebody shows up and says that, uh, like, my front door's jammed and I can't uh, get in my house. You sell them a potion of explosion because, of course, right? That sounds like a good time to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it feels like it doesn't do a lot with the world. And it might just be the fact that I'm on, like, chapter three. No, no, I'm on chapter four. I finished three of, of the achievement list, essentially. And as you go through, it takes off different things. And plus, there's also, like, the entire alchemical machine in the basement that I've only done one thing with that eventually gives you the Philosopher's Stone, which, uh, yeah, changes how alchemy works in the game, but... You know, that's neither here nor there. That's extremely late game stuff. So, right. Philosopher's Stone? Yeah. Is that like talked about at the beginning of the game? Like, oh, the mythical uh, yeah. Philosopher's Stone. Uh, well, you go down to the basement and you look at the recipe. And one of them talks about the Philosopher's Stone. So, but the, the, but the recipe's damaged. So, you know, you know it's late game stuff. Yeah. Pretty much immediately. Uh, like I said, it's not a bad game. It just... It feels more shallow than it should be. There is challenge there, especially if you want to try to you know, build up a lot of money. Because hitting the tier 3 on recipes can be very tedious. And then going in and trying to perfect them, like... Okay, well, I could get a tier 3 uh, you know, healing potion with you know, 3 herbs. But now I've... Uh, uh, helped this uh, weirdo that uh, harvests mushrooms that gives me a better option to get to that effect. So I could go revamp that potion and get it down to two and have it a uh, more efficient use of my resources that I can put somewhere else. So there is stuff here to if you really want to min-max, but at the same time there's not really a reason to because it's kind of a chill game. There's no like time limits or anything. The most uh, tense part is, you know, like really zooming in if you're trying to, you know, uh, uh, be careful with uh, getting a particular effect and trying to get like a tier three for, you know, like the alchemical machine in the basement or if somebody's paying a very high amount for a, you know, tier three effect with, you know, a particular item, which does pop up occasionally. You know, that's like the most intense part of the game, but even then, it's kind of, you know, well, I would like this to have mushrooms in it, but, uh, you know, I'll buy this anyway. So, all right. Yeah, man. 
Want it to have mushrooms, man. Oh, wrong type of mushrooms. These are poisonous, oh, not hallucinogenic. Oh, jeez. Things do get rather complex, especially if you're trying to get some of the more advanced uh, effects. And then there's also, oh, I never even talked about the reagents. So there's, uh, well, two bases, at least right now in the game. There supposedly is going to be more. It almost feels like an early access game, to be perfectly honest, without the title of early access. To the point that, yeah, uh, the main thing on the uh, uh, on the store page is talking about upcoming features, and one of them being new talents and <laughs> garden upgrades, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, the basis of all the potions I can make right now is water. And uh, you're able to essentially water down or add more of your base to the potion. Which brings uh, essentially your potion back to towards the middle of the uh, of the map. So if you're you know just a little bit off and you're in the right direction, you actually kind of you know, use that to tune a little bit more on your potion. And thankfully, you can save these recipes. You have so many slots at the beginning, and then a vendor shows up with enchanted paper that you could use to uh, expand your recipe book. So, yeah, if you have, like, this really complex, long recipe for, like, invisibility or whatever you, if you want to do, you know, like, a funny effect, although some people don't like the fact that, you know, you're selling a potion with multiple effects, like, hallucinogenic, less invisibility potion, right? Ooh, that sounds like uh, <laughs> a quick way to, to become a sex best. Or a hell of a Saturday night. I suppose. Or, uh, you know, acid poison slowing, right? Yeah, right? I mean, that sounds like a pretty badass potion, or poison, <laughs> yeah. to apply to a weapon in an RPG. So there, there is other things you can do with it, but at the same time, you know, you're not really incentivized to do so, right? Yeah. And that's why I'm a little disappointed at the game, is that, you know, it feels like one of those games that would work better in a situation where you could play it for five minutes or so, you know? I that's, it, that's why I'm not trying to use a backhanded compliment on saying, this uh, feels like a bubble game, because it feels like it's more suited for a situation where you can play it for a few minutes, rather than a PC game where you're, you're playing it for an extended period of time. Is this game on Switch? Uh, actually, I don't know. It sounds like it would be a great Switch game as well. Uh, actually, it is. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a different one. There's a different Alchemist Simulator on Switch. Oh. Uh, no, it's only on PC. On the various storefronts. Well, I guess if you have a Steam Deck or yeah. one of the many other PC game or, you know, handheld devices that can play PC games that exist now. It might be a good way to go. Who knows? It might come to mobile eventually. I mean, it sounds interesting. I'll still probably check it out because it's on Game Pass. Yeah I, yeah, I will say that it's definitely not a bad game, but I, I'm going to their subreddit, and a lot of people are using the map to, you know, essentially draw. <laughs> to make it use a giant etch-a-sketch. That's pretty neat, actually. I kind of like that. 
certainly not using it as intended, but you know, I can think of tons of little games I've come up with on in the middle of, of other video games I'm playing. That's yeah, a pretty does, good one. It does take a bit to get going because, you know, uh, at the very beginning, you only have, you know, what is growing in your enchanted garden. And I'm not sure how much they script what actually shows up, but uh, I know after a while, it was starting to get pretty random. And one of the NPCs actually says that, you know, your uh, garden could grow anything. So uh, some of my recipes I was having issues with because it was using stuff I had in abundance in the beginning, but all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> it doesn't show up anymore. Yeah. All right. Well, is that uh, is that that? Yeah, I think so, unless you had any questions about it. I don't think so. I mean, I still check it out, because like I said, it's on Game Pass. I'll play a lot of stuff on Game Pass since I don't have to... Mm you know, air quotes, pay for it, you know? Yeah. Who knows? Um, Something I played on Game Pass, though, that I'm going to talk about this week, is High on Life. Uh, Alright. This is... A lot of the things I'm going to say, I think are going to come across more negative than they truly are. I'm not the target audience of this game. Um, For anyone listening who doesn't know, High on Life is a first-person shooter that was written or developed i mean he's not the sole developer but justin roiland most i think most prominently known for rick and morty and solar opposites um although justin roiland has got a pretty long career he's worked on or in a number of other projects but you know rick and morty has been his runaway success project and he's has started several others off the back of that so i am someone who is 50 50 on rick and morty i think there are some episodes that are good i think there are some episodes that are bad i think there are a lot of episodes that have good bits on them that people remember more fondly than they actually are the body on effect yeah absolutely um so let me let me put put out just like what i think are some pretty clear-cut objective facts about this game and then i'll talk about my experience with it 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 seems to be pretty heavily inspired by Metroid Prime in the way with how you can interact with the world. It is a first-person shooter, um, shooter-slash-action platformer, and all of the equipment that you get has got multiple uses for it, one of which is a combat use, and the other of which is a utility use that allows you to interact with the map in new and different ways. And you can go back and you can visit old, uh, you know, previously uh, completed maps with new suit or weapon abilities to access new areas. Um, I don't know how prevalent that's going to be as you go through the game in terms of like going through old areas again with new abilities to fight new enemies and another boss or something. I don't know how much that's going to play into it. I've only played for about four hours so far. Um, but it does have that very, you know, that at its core. Um, you've got sort of two aspects of this. You have a suit that you get that's like a bounty hunter, modular bounty hunter suit that you get uh, upgrades for over the course of the game. Um, you know, like a, a dash for, you know, an a, like a, you know, a, a movement ability, both to dodge in combat and to allow you to air dash to get to um, other areas of the map. There's a jetpack you can get. Um, one of the weapons that you get is a knife that also has a sort of like Indiana Jones-esque whip 
ability to it that lets you um, grab onto ledges and certain other objects and fling yourself around a map area. The starting pistol that you get has an upgrade that shoots out these little grenade things, um, which can both be used for combat and can be used to manipulate certain environmental targets that you can see. They've got, you know, sort of a green splash of paint on them and you can shoot them with the secondary weapon effect and they will move and can be used to sort of create new traversable areas or solve little puzzles, things like that. I I don't know if Metroid was the key influence for this or if there, I mean, there are a bunch of games that do this, right? But this makes me think of Metroid prime specifically, which was the 3d Metroid game that was on the GameCube. Originally, I think it's been, has it been remade on switch? I don't remember. Regardless, doesn't matter. That's that's where I think that this is inspired from. I think, for the most part, that stuff is handled pretty well. It suffers from some of the same pitfalls, as in sometimes you're not sure if you're supposed to be able to come back to an area later with another power, or if it's not just an area you can't get to. Lots of these types of games suffer from that if they're not clearly signposted. So it's got some of those issues. Um, it has some of the advantages of that, meaning that in combat... You can do some pretty interesting things using the environment to your advantage, jumping around, swinging around, um, air dashing, that kind of stuff. The shooting mechanics are pretty solid. Um, They're not perfect, but I don't think that this game is truly designed as a straight up first person shooter. I mean, that's the main way that you defeat enemies, but all of this movement stuff makes me feel like that they were designed to work hand in hand. And the game is is the most fun when it gives you a good um, sort of level that you can jump around in swing around in air dash between things double jump you know etc while you're shooting your gun killing the enemies it does do the what i think of as the thing from modern doom where that if you get like a um you know like a glory kill on an enemy you regenerate health so that encourages you to run and gun a lot um get in there you know go for cool headshots use secondary weapon effects um, use your cool like stabby knife for finishing moves all that kind of stuff when it's all working really well together it feels good when it's not working well whenever the level is not designed appropriately or if you're perhaps not in tune with a particular suit power that the game wants you to be using a lot at the moment it can feel real bad that's the nature of these systems i think it does more good than bad um Graphically, it's got some interesting design choices. I, now, this, I think, is is a little bit objective. If you like the art style of Rick and Morty, Solar Opposites, or the way it approaches creature design, you're going to like this. There's a lot of that there. If you don't like that, it's going to feel really gross for me because it's kind of hit or miss. There's some stuff that feels a little gross, some stuff that feels pretty cool. Um, but it is interesting. Everything feels pretty interesting. Um, so I think that's a pretty solid, you know, in the positive category. Um, Sound design is pretty bad, unfortunately. It's got a lot of really shitty, repetitive music, and we'll get to the most annoying part of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And we'll get to the the most annoying thing about the sound design in a little bit. Uh, It's the talking guns, but I'll talk more about that soon. Um... And then otherwise, I think it does pretty good with some of the tongue-in-cheek fourth wall breaks. Um, 
there has been nothing that has made me like belly laugh, but I've got a lot of good like chuckles or knowing smirks out of it. And I think that that's, that's pretty solid. There are times when it gets too overbearing. There are times when it, you know, you're like, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be a joke or not, but I feel like about 75% of the time the joke lands, it gets a chuckle or a smirk out of me. Um, but again, that one might be a little more objective because if you really like Justin Roiland and his style of humor, then uh, you're probably going to like that a lot more than that I thinks do. I like funny things. Justin Roiland's kind of hit or miss for me, like I've already said. That's about all I can say without getting into some of the most ob- subjective portions of this game that I tend to find very annoying and that you would absolutely hate. One of the big air quotes, selling points of this game is that the guns talk, or well, the weapons talk, there's there's more than just guns, but the weapons talk, they're voiced by characters, or well, by voice actors that you know and love from other Justin Roiland things, although so far he does like three quarters of all the voices of the things. And Justin Roiland, as hard as he tries, really only has like two voices. It's like, oh, jeez! Oh, gee, Willikers! Like that kind of like, oh, like crackly scratchy voice and then kind of like a slightly lower registered version of that um and the guns or the weapons fucking talk constantly it's not quite non-stop but it's very frequent making comments in combat about you know getting a headshot like oh that was fucking cool like whenever you do like a trick shot combo with a special you know, weapon ability combined with a headshot combined with swinging around. And it that feels pretty good the first or second time that it happens, but it keeps happening and it just gets really old. The gun or the weapons offer a lot of sort of saucy commentary about what's going on. And they're very one note kind of characters. The knife has got like a, a you know, a burn, uh, a boner for murder. It just wants you to stab everybody. And that joke is funny once or twice, and then it gets old that he's constantly walking around telling you to stab people. That What I call the Morty gun, which is the pistol that you get, which is just Justin Roiland's Morty voice uh, constantly, um, has probably got the most personality, because it's the weapon that you will be using the most throughout the game, I think. Um and it kind of has some swings and roundabouts with his personality, but it's just like this really, I mean, it's Morty. The gun is fucking Morty. It's really unsure about itself. It stutters a lot. It is relying on you to, to do things. Um, the plot is that some aliens show up on earth and they're going to enslave its people and turn them into drugs, which, you know, whatever, that's fine. Um, you, you turn your house into a spaceship and you fly to some city, which serves, serves as like the hub where that you can go to all the shops and upgrade your equipment and, um, you know, do interact with a few other characters. And then it kind of serves as the, the hub for the spokes of the mission design. There's this like a really annoying guy that you meet that is supposed to be a bounty hunter and he's like down on his luck and he gives you his suit and, Teaches you how to be a bounty hunter, but he's just like an alcoholic asshole. Um, so I guess he's kind of Rick in this situation so far. And he like expects you to die all the time and like messes with your shit. Um, 
But you go to the house, he activates the the Bounty Hunter 5000, which has a little port, like that's really what it's called, the Bounty Hunter 5000. And it generates a little portal, takes you to the world, air quotes, world or the level where that you're supposed to be going after your bounty. And you're working your way through like this alien space cartel to somehow save humanity. And the guns talk non-fucking-stop. After the first two hours, there's a little pop-up that shows up that's like, hey, you know you can turn the chatter down on the guns in case they're annoying you. And I turned it down, and it makes some difference, but they still talk too much. And that's, it just, gah, it's so frustrating. There are bits that they will always say. Every time you get a new weapon, they've got sort of like a spiel and the first level where you use them, they're the most talkative. And then they get a little quieter. But like, you know, you get for at least where I'm at, I'm getting a new weapon every single level I go to. So, you know, I'm having talking weapons galore that don't shut up. And that really bugs the shit out of me. I could see someone who really likes that sort of thing, like that sort of weird meta, whatever, like the guns making comments on how you're killing people. But it gets old fast. It it sounds like, and this is going to be a poor analogy, but hear me out. Okay. Uh, My issue I had with Shadow Warrior after a while, Uh, even though it's the character talking, yeah, the lines get repaired because, you know, that's just the nature. There's only somebody that they can have. But the fact that they have the guns saying it, right? Yeah. Aha, the guns are talking. Yeah. Right? Yep. And then it does these lots of little commentary things on game development that I mm-hmm. think it thinks are funny. I'm sure Justin Roy la- laughed his ass off. And I'm just like, that's not funny. That's annoying. Like they do a thing. Where that, um, in this, oh, this they have sh- loot boxes, yeah, yeah. There's so there's a loot box in the shop, um, that you can go to, and it's like, this is a loot box, you actually have to spend real money on it. And then, when you if you try to buy it, the shopkeep is like, oh, I'm just fucking with you, I wouldn't sell that to you for real money, I'm not gonna sell it to you at all. That's mine, you asshole. And it's like, uh, okay, I, I, that's not really all the right. funniest way you could do that joke, but sure. Oh, the one I'm thinking of, though, that I was about to mention is that there's this kid when you whenever you go in for your first bounty, whenever you go into the sewers um, to get to like the lower part of the city or whatever, where that you're going after this bounty, this kid jumps out and he's like aggravating you and you can shoot him and kill him. And like you have to repeatedly try to shoot him and kill him. It's like three or four times before it actually lets you shoot him and kill him. He's like, oh my god, you just killed a kid. Like, the gun is like, you just killed that fucking kid. You just blew that fucking kid away. I can't believe that they let you kill that kid. Like, deliberate fourth wall breaking. And then later on, you meet the kid's mom. And she's like, oh my god, someone killed my son. Can you believe it? Someone killed my son? Well, he's really 30 because our alien species isn't, you know, we're really long-lived. Um, You know, the, the censors wouldn't let you just straight up kill a kid. And I'm like, this isn't funny. Like, this is, is this supposed to be meta humor? This isn't funny. Is it supposed to be a commentary? It's really stupid commentary. That that, that seems like my uh, take on 99% of the stuff I see from Rick and Morty. This is supposed to be funny. Yeah. And. Which I'm sure for others, it's fucking hilarious, but I'm too old and not the target demographic. Yeah. Right. 
Yep. The game also lets you make choices that I have no idea if they matter or not. And I don't know if that's supposed to be some kind of commentary on game design. The first boss that you kill is like it it's a clone. She's got a whole bunch of clones and like the storyline is that they are fighting each other for control of the city sewers basically. Um she's like some kind of crime boss. And so whenever you kill and defeat her clone, she had captured another clone. And the clone is like, oh yeah, I'll I'll set myself free in a little bit. The minions will come along and they'll rescue me. And you can kill her. Like you can you can, you know, just kill her. And it gives you a couple chances. She's like, no, stop killing me. Do you really want this other clone to be in charge? And the the gun is like, bitch, I don't know you. I don't know who this other person is. I don't care. And it's like, well, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Is that supposed to be meta commentary? And you can kill her. And I have no idea if it makes a difference or not. And I looked up online and some people were like, can like we killed her or we didn't kill her. Does it matter? And other people are like, we don't know. We haven't beat the game yet to see if there's any differences in the choices. So who knows? I'm going to go. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. You're probably right. But so it's, it's just so interesting. It's got slightly above average gameplay. I wouldn't call it like a masterpiece of gameplay or anything, but it's pretty, you know, pretty solid. But then the game or the, the the rest of the gameplay, the talking guns, like everything that I think is supposed to be the biggest selling point of this game is annoying at least 50% of the time for me. So I don't know if you're in the target. I think if you love Rick and Morty, Kyle, if you're still listening, you'll love this game, right? If, if you still listen to the show, which I haven't heard from in a while, I hope you're okay, buddy. But if you still listen to the show, like you'll fucking love this. Go play it. But to everyone else out there, like, I don't know, man, if you really like Rick and Morty and or Solar Opposites, you'll probably like this. And if you really don't like those shows, you probably won't. And if you're a weirdo like me who's sitting in the middle, I don't know, play it, try it on Game Pass if you've got it. Oh, it crashes all the time. I almost no, forgot that, no, about that. No, that's meta humor. It crashes every hour, almost on the hour. And I don't see anybody else complaining about this online, so I don't I'm I'm guessing it's just some kind of weird hardware issue that I'm experiencing. You know, that sometimes happens in PC gaming, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe people can't stand playing it long enough to discover that it crashes every hour. No, it wears out it's welcome that quickly. <laughs> I have a feeling yeah. that uh, they only added the option to turn down the amount of uh the guns talk because the Playtesters were, you know, starting to kill themselves. Quite possibly. I mean, truthfully, this feels like something... I mean, this feels like the kind of product, the kind of thing that's made by someone who's become successful enough that people stop telling them no. The Lucas effect. He needs He needs an editor. This game needed some editing. It needed to be pared down a little bit. It... Someone needed to turn the default dial down on the talking guns a little bit. Someone needed to add some different style of voice acting or or stop making so many, like, dick and fart jokes. Yeah, but see, that's what he's done for, so, right? Yeah. Uh, for, for his fans, it would be a disappointment if it wasn't that. Yeah. Nobody told him no, and I always think that's a problem. Like, you need somebody to tell you no, because... No matter how good of a creator you are, no matter how good you are at your craft or how smart you are, 
you don't know everything, and if you don't have people to help shape your vision, it's gonna get fucked up. Because you're uh, the prequels. Yeah. So, you know, play it, Kyle. Everyone else, decide for yourself. That's that's high on life. Uh, I think I'd rather scoop my eyes out with a, a grapefruit spoon. Yeah, fair enough. Seems a little excessive, but you know, if it works for you, who am I to judge? So yeah, that's what I played this this week. Um, which means let's move on to do the news. Woo! Our first news topic of the night: U.S. senators press valve on Nazi content. Yeah, so um, uh, this is a senator in. Hang on, let me see which state this was. It was a Democratic senator, New Hampshire. Uh, because there's a fair amount of Nazi shit popping up on Valve, or sorry, on Steam lately. I mean, it's not like, you know, right now there's literally a game about fucking Hitler on the front page, right? Is there really a game about fucking Hitler on the front page? Hang on. (laughs) Hang on. Store featured. Come on, load for me. Come on, baby. Go to the store for me. Not it's not going. I want to see my Hitler fucking. Steam just isn't doing anything. <laughs> it's too embarrassed now. I guess let's let's just go on on uh, on on the Google on Chrome. All right, store. I mean, I'm fairly sure this one isn't uh, yeah, Taylor Tubby. I hope not. At least uh, I don't see Hitler. Where where did you say it was? Uh, doing trending. New and trending. I can't be the only one that's seeing sex with Hitler, right? All right. Uh, I am not seeing sex with Hitler. On my new and trending, I see Fresh Start, uh, Clean Oh, simulator. never mind. Here it is. Sex uh, okay. with Hitler, too. I just had okay. to scroll I, down I, a little farther. I was about to say, there, there's no way I'm the only one seeing this, right? I remember the first one, actually. Now that I see this, I remember... Yeah, well, it was so good it required a sequel, right? So, yeah, hell yeah. But, yeah, this is the only thing that's popping up. There's, uh, at least according to this article, other dog whistles that's uh, white power, misogyny. And it does seem like Valve is just not policing it. They're, yeah. I mean, there's literally a game about fucking Hitler on the Steam front page, right? Yeah, Valve have a, has a history of this, though. I mean, this isn't the first time, one, that they've had a sex with Hitler game. Um, oh, it's the sequel. It's literally the second one. The last time I remember there being a stink about this was with that game uh, called Hatred. Yeah, but honestly, that one feels like it was, that was kind of a lot to do about nothing. Because it, 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 it honestly, every gameplay I saw that it reminded me of a teenager that was trying to be edgy, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. This, maybe maybe I'm too, like, cynical and ingrained in the system of, like, well, yeah, of course, Valve doesn't moderate shit. They've never moderated shit. Like, this doesn't surprise me, you know? Yeah. It doesn't feel all that newsworthy, but... You know, to someone, I guess, who's who's a normie, mm-hmm. this is probably, like, some really... You know what? It should be. It should be some really shocking bullshit. I'm the one with the problem here. Yeah. 
I'm the problem. Actually, Valve is the problem, but I'm just cynical about PC gaming, I guess. I mean, this is something, though, that, that gamers have been, you know, banging the drums for years, going all the way back to, like, you know, uh, Total Biscuit and the early, early days of Podquisition and at least at least a decade ago you know people were saying like valve does not have strong enough moderation if they have I moderation mean, at all it's not strong enough i mean it was pretty much uh once they opened the floodgates after a green light it, it, they went from honestly a bit too strict to get in to okay now now it's literally people selling stolen art assets right yeah open season come on in guys that's that's Valve's approach now. Mm-hmm. I mean, a happy medium would be good. Valve needs more moderation. Valve needs more teams of people pouring over basically every aspect of Steam, from reviews to comment sections to games. You know, you're not going to get everything. No matter how many people you throw at a problem, you're not going to get everything, right? But if Valve had dedicated, paid teams of people who sifted through all of this stuff, they would they would stop quite a few issues. And I don't even care about the Hitler sex game. Like, whatever. That's not that big of a deal to me. Like, people get horny for weird stuff. Weird stuff sells. Yeah, like tits on tits. Like tits on tits all the way down. Tits on Hitler. I mean, that's literally... Looking at the screenshots for this game, it's tits on Hitler. Like, it well, sells... if Hitler had tits, maybe he wouldn't have wanted to kill all the Jews. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe someone would have loved him if he had tits. Probably not. Women are treated very badly, historically speaking. They're treated badly now. But anyways, our depressing timeline as it is, I feel like that there are a lot more issues with games which are, you know, scams or just absolutely broken or happen to be, you know, malware or crypto miners. Yeah, I'm struck that there's not more of that on Steam, actually. I know it's popped up occasionally, but it's at least seems to be the exception rather than the rule. You know? Yeah, I can think of two or three instances off the top of my head. Like, I can't remember the games, but I can remember these crypto mining games that have, or, well, games that have popped up that are actually just masquerading crypto miners. I can think of a few instances of those, but that's, I think, fairly uncommon. But, you know, all of the sort of rug pull products in general, you know, the early access developers that just disappeared. And again, you won't catch everything. Sometimes that's just going to happen, which sucks. You know, I don't want to like give them excuses, but like sometimes it happens, you know, but if valve had more eyeballs on it, instead of trying to rely on algorithm algorithms to do everything, you would have fewer problems like this. Uh, There's just like you said, there's been so many other issues pop up on steam and, uh, to us that's been in it for a while, it does feel a little, eh, right? Yeah. And this is this is the kind of thing that people who don't, and it's so complicated, right? Like, because this is more of an indictment of an entire system, not just Valve, but an entire political system of, like, people who don't know what they're talking about are wading into the, the deep end on something, and it's the wrong issue. Like, yeah. People look at weird sex stuff on the internet. That's been the tale of the internet since its inception. Um, 
that's not really a big problem for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like go out, you know, regulate these corporations, regulate, um, you know, the way that they treat their employees, engage in creating better systems of checks and balances in the first place to prevent the actual measures of harm that are happening. Take real steps to, to prevent or reduce instances of doxing. Um, look at actual discrimination issues within the industry. Like those are all problems that our lawmakers should be interested in. Not sexing Hitler. It does make me wonder how this popped up, right? Yeah. Someone's kid. Here's how it happened. Someone's kid saw it and was like, oh, look at this, mom or dad. And maybe it wasn't one of the senator's kids. Maybe it was. Maybe it was one of their staffer's kids. But somebody's kid saw this. And we've got the whole, oh, my God, think of the children. Yeah. They can, they're seeing sex with Hitler. I guarantee you, I bet money on it. Probably. It's very grumpy. Uh, it's been very grumpy yeah, all over yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm looking at the Sanders uh, political uh, positions, and I agree with her on some stuff. Definitely not on some others, but that's kind of how it goes, right? Yeah, I don't I don't know if I have anything else to add, unless I'm we've missed something. Uh, it does look like she has some controversies going on, so, or as in the past uh, with um, issues with staffers uh, uh, caught on video swearing at Trump, which. Does uh, humanize her a little bit more, but at the same time, you know, expect lawmakers to be set to a higher standard, right? Yeah. I think... Okay. So, when it comes to things like swearing, I think people get way up too, way too uptight about it. Human beings swear. That's a very normal thing for people to do. I don't mind really? if my no politicians swear, right? I don't mind if my politicians swear. I don't yeah, mind. I just yeah, but just don't want to turn into you know uh, the British government where they're right. The British government can be really entertaining to watch sometimes, though. But yeah, no, you're right. I've always just felt like uh, our leaders should be held to a higher standard. So having them go after this issue over everything else, right? Yeah. Although, yeah, you know, neither of us are New Hampshire, so. We technically don't have a horse in this race. So, right? Right. But, yeah, I'm just, you know. To me, it feels like this is not a problem. Why aren't you looking at things that are actually problems? But uh, Honestly, it, it, it feels more like she's trying to drop up an issue for her re-election campaign because she's on the, I believe, the 2022 or sorry, the 2024 election, uh, re-election cycle. Ah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. You know, good luck in your comp- campaign, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, I don't I'm, know. Just, I'm just double-checking. I know she was re-elected in 2022, so... So, uh, maybe for constituents, or maybe, you know, this is like a holdover, or I don't know. Yeah. If, if you're a good candidate who, mm-hmm. who treats trans people like people, and wants to hold uh, people like Donald Trump to account, I hope you win. Uh, according to this, she won a narrow victory over uh, her Republican uh, uh, opponent who was claiming, hey, how about that? The election was rigged. <laughs> oh, right. Yep. 
Yep, yep, yep. All right, let's uh, let's move on yeah, to our so. next news topic. Let's get off of this soapbox and get onto a different kind of soapbox. Yeah, so Sony's uh, two hundred dollar uh, controller. I'm converting to U.S. dollars because freedom, right? Freedom uh, units has a worse battery life than the original controller. What? <laughs> right. So yeah, uh, the Dual Sense controllers, and if I slip up and call this the Dual Shock. That's because it's been, what, like two decades where they had their controllers be the DualShock, and now it's the DualSense, right? Yep. Yep. So, anytime I say uh, DualShock, uh, talking about this controller, it's DualSense. Replace it out of your mind. It's Sony's fault. Yeah. Uh, Sony's not as bad as Microsoft about naming things, but they decided to change this. No, Microsoft so, is the fucking king of shitty names for things. I, I, I'm convinced that Microsoft has like a random number generator somewhere. Probably. Either that or they're drunk and just try to count. Oh, so, that's definitely true. So, the DualSense controller they is coming out next month, and there's no official word on just how long the battery lasts. But Sony has come out to a couple... Uh, news agencies saying that the battery life is worse than the stock controller, which is just mind-blowing to me. (laughs) It's interesting that they're saying that. To me, that says one of two things. Either this controller has got other problems that they want to use this as a get-out-in-front-of-it kind of thing, or that there's, like, some internal leaks that you know, some leaks to the press or some early models that got out. And so they're trying to cut that off at the press. Well, the Verge had a hand-drawn preview and they noted the battery was significantly worse. Or sorry, noticeably worse is the term that they used. So this is a response to the Verge having a preview model. And uh, one of the things that they've kind of come out and said is that they're really pushing the idea of this lock on braided cable <laughs> uh, to power the thing, because that's what you want for a $200 controller. Wired, right? Yep. It's it's so interesting. I'm sorry. Uh, there's uh, some interesting things about this controller. I'm not going to lie. The fact that their solution to the massive issues of, of joystick drift that's been going on is to build a system where you can Essentially, take the front plate off. Uh, well, you, you can imagine a dual a dual sense controller, a dual shock controller. You know that configuration. You can take the bottom part of the bezel off and slide the entire joystick module out and replace it. So it's, that's one way to do it, right? Two two things. One we talked about before the show, and yeah. another one I literally just thought of. The first one is that. I'm all for things being easier to repair. Like, yes, I want companies to make better stuff that breaks less often, but everything does break. And when that happens, I want to be able to repair or service it myself. So the fact, whether it's hiding a problem or whatever, like the fact that they're doing this, I think is a good thing overall, like a good design decision. The second thing is that the Xbox Elite controller can do this. The Xbox Elite controller can ha- has little lock-on plates for that you can take off all the buttons, all the triggers, all the joysticks, and all the little modules for them, and and replace them, and cust- yeah, create like yeah, a custom is, button layout. 
yeah, this is just the joystick modules from the looks of it. I will admit that I didn't look too much into the uh, the uh, Microsoft version of this, mostly because it seems to me a little crazy to be spending this much on a single controller. Because I, this is starting to get up there. I disagree, but, I mean, you know, think about, like, how much do our, you know, accessories cost? Like, my keyboard and my mouse together were about $150. Like, they're high-quality, a high-quality keyboard and mouse, you know? Uh, I mean, this I is a little my, more expensive than that, but... I think my mouse and keyboard is sub-100. I got my uh, mouse on sale. And even then, it's one of the older MMO mice. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that my keyboard is uh, sub-70. So I have the same keyboard that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine was $70 from Amazon. But now my mouse is a 70-ish dollar mouse. Yeah, I see mine's a 30. <laughs> but then again, I've also taken my mouse apart to repair it. Yeah. Slash clean it. Now I'm going in. But, you know, I will spend good money to buy higher quality products for my gaming experience, you know, to Mm -hmm. have a keyboard that lasts, has a certain feel to it, mouse, etc. I don't I don't blame, you know, anybody for spending two hundred dollars on a controller. There would there's a time in my life that I've been like, why the fuck are you doing that? But I get it now. As long as it's actually a high quality product. If Mm -hmm. it's like you know, just charging all the extra money because they can get away with it, that's bullshit and fuck you, Sony, and why would you do that? But if it is actually a high quality or higher quality product, I'm okay with that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think I got my keyboard actually on sale one time, so... Uh, so, I guess it's just I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> because they're right. Which I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Like, there's different levels of stuff out there for different people or, you know, patient people can wait and get stuff on sale or whatever. Like, I needed, my keyboard broke and I needed a keyboard and I didn't want to yeah, use one of my was, shitty backup keyboards. Yeah, mine was on its last legs, but I, I, it triggered, like, some sort of price to, uh, alert I had uh, going, so, alright. Yeah. But anyways, the price doesn't bother me too much as long as it's a high-quality product that's worth the money. Which, that's kind of the problem, is that there's really no way to know until it's been out for a fairly long time, and by that point, right? Yeah. Like, wasn't there some issues with the Microsoft uh, Elite controller? Uh, Not that I can remember off the top of my head, but probably. I know a lot of the Xbox One sort of release model controllers had problems um, with uh, Rumble. They're like Rumble packs would die early. Uh, the haptic feedback wore them out because the the Xbox controller has got haptic feedback only in the triggers, at least the early models. I think the new ones have haptic feedback in the triggers and the joysticks. But anyways, um, it would wear the motors out and they would die really soon. It also had issues where that the uh, buttons, the the ABXY buttons would get sticky mm-hmm. and and sort of wear out quickly. But I'm not sure about the Elite controller. It's possible. Uh, I, I remember seeing some people talking about how the, the early ones had some quality control issues. I'm not finding anything on a Google search, but you know, it's also you know third-party people talking about stuff. So 
And we never actually really talked about the battery life on this thing. So right, uh, right. Th- there's no set. Yeah, you know, like the battery life is so many hours on the Edge uh, controller because, of course, they're calling it the Edge, uh, the Dual uh, the Dual Sense Edge because right. Uh, but the base controller, according to comments and also the reporting in this uh, article, is six hours. Okay. Uh, uh, with uh, well, sorry, the article says they can't uh, go further than five hours at most without a recharge on the base model. So they're expecting four ish on uh, the Edge controller, which is just unreasonable. Yeah, that's way too short. And mind you, uh, the DualSense controller is uh, doing the same thing that the DualShock 4 controller was, where there's no way to access the battery without cracking the fucker open. You can't swap out the battery like you, or at least you used to be able to on the Xbox controller. I'm not sure if you could still can. At least on all the Xbox controllers I have, you still can. Um, but I don't know about the newest model controllers if they still, cause they, they all just used double A batteries. You could buy battery packs to put in the slot, but you know, double A batteries, but yeah, yeah, four, four hours is pretty unreasonable. I mean, I mean, hell even five hours, according to what they give on the base model, uh, is unreasonable to me. Yeah. There are many, many gamers out there, many, many gamers who can play gaming sessions that last, you know, easily double that 10 12 hours at a time and even if you take that out even if you say like oh that's an edge case like that's less than however many percentage of people okay fine but if you only got a four hour battery life that means that if you play you know a couple hours a day you're gonna need to remember to plug your controller up every day otherwise at best you can play for two days before your controller's gonna die the next time you try to play and you know that sounds so easy like just plug your controller up but my phone I don't even have to plug my phone up. All I have to do is set it on the wireless charging pad. And there are at least, there's at least one day every week where I wake up and go, fuck, I didn't put my phone on the charging pad. I just set it on my nightstand. And, you know, the phone's dead. You know, that 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 feels like an unreasonable ask for how people use products every day. Like, there's a there's a podcast I listen to that talks about this kind of thing all the time. And it's like, Companies go to court and pretend they don't understand how human beings work. And granted, you know, I don't think anybody's taken somebody to court over this, but it's like this example of, you know, they they would say like, well, it doesn't seem unreasonable to just plug it up every night. Not acknowledging, you know, human beings, you know, they fall asleep on the couch, they get tired, they forget, they get distracted by their dogs or their kids or their significant others. It's like, you know, yeah. Four hours, five hours is unreasonable. Six hours probably would be unreasonable. I mean, hell, I would... even the third-party controller Adita got me for my birthday. It has an estimated... I haven't actually ran it down enough to check it. Eight to ten hour uh, for the Switch. Yeah. I would say eight hours feels like a reasonable minimum to have. Even you marathon need... gaming sessions, like, you've got to stop to go pee... Yeah. You know, refill your, your drink yeah, and, it, or snack. and it recharges in two. Yeah. So, right? Yeah. But, I mean, still, you know, you can't beat, in terms of, you know, battery life on a on a controller, you can't beat my Xbox wireless controllers using 
good old rechargeable double A batteries. I can get about ten to twelve hours on a on a battery charge. Um and just pop them out, put in new ones when they're dead, and put the other ones in the little charger and plug it in. Uh, what did I estimate mine at? Twenty something hours? Uh well, I have a dual shock four, which is uh I think it was uh eight to ten. Then I've modded it, so I've put in a bigger battery, which is a bit over twice the battery capacity. <laughs> when I I had to go in to swap out the charging port, while I had it open, I swapped out the battery as well, because it was starting to get old. Then I go into the computer settings, and I'm using DualSense 4. So I actually have the uh, rumble turned down to like 25 to 33%. So, I'm estimating before I even go to the backup battery, because, of course, I have a backup battery, right? Yeah. Uh, so, they're like 20-some uh, hours uh, in the backup battery. Could, if I recall correctly, it's a, 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 a chat pad on it that has a option to be able to feed battery power into the auxiliary port, which, on at least the DualShock 4, can recharge it. I'm not sure if the uh, new models could uh, the well, you know, PlayStation Five has that same feature. If they do, that's interesting. Yeah, for uh, for this, but I didn't see the port on the bottom of the uh, of this controller, so I'm going to go with probably not. Right? Yeah. Safe uh, bet to assume no, and then be pleasantly surprised if it's yeah. yes. So, if I really wanted to stretch it, I would probably go like a day and a half to two days. With the backup battery, so you know a little bit of playtime, right? Yeah, just a little, you know, a smidgen. If I wanted to stretch it out longer, I could turn off the light. <laughs> because right, yeah, I'm not going to look forward to having to replace that uh, uh, the thumbsticks because you know they will eventually wear out, right? Yeah, probably. But I have to say. That as I have gotten older, I honestly just am migrating slowly back towards all wired peripherals. I've got, I I had a wireless keyboard and mouse. I have migrated back to a wired keyboard and mouse. If this wireless Xbox controller I have ever dies, I'm just going to buy one of the, the bog standard wired ones. Or fucking like just solder, uh a USB cable end onto one and yeah, just put for, like some... Yeah, for me, I have a mixture. Like, my mouse and keyboard are wired. I do have a wireless mouse for my laptop. Uh, my controllers are all wireless with a wired option. Like, uh, it's not a good option on the DualShock, uh, but I do have a wired 360 controller that I've seen better days because, boy, that uh, sucker saw some use, especially that I got that during you know, my like racing hot, uh, heydays. Yeah. Actually, uh, when I went to clean it one time, I kind of swapped the, not the thumbstick actual you know, components, uh, but the the caps on them so that the uh, worn one uh, suddenly became the right thumbstick instead of the left. Yeah, I've done that before. Uh, but yeah, uh, I have a mixture, and I, I don't really have an 
issue uh, as long as I could go in and service them. Which I should probably look into some light solder skills to be able to swap out batteries. Because that's probably going to be the big thing uh, or the big issue uh, coming up, right? Yeah. Thankfully, soldering at that at that level is pretty, pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm certainly no like solder master or whatever. You're, you're, but... you're no electro boom. No, but you know, I've done my fair share of soldering to replace, you know, components, capacitors. Yeah, uh, thankfully, switches. most of what I've had to do is just, you know, uh, plugging in components. It's not soldering. Yeah. At worst, it's uh, you know, dissolving some glue with a. Uh, uh, Alcohol. Yeah, I'll just pour some vodka on it. <laughs> right. Works every time. But, yeah. I hope they still make Xbox-wired controllers. I have, you know, I have used the PlayStation... I guess I haven't used the DualShock 4 or the DualSense 4 or whatever. You know, when did they migrate from DualShock to DualSense? Is that new for the I, PS5? I, th- I think that's the PS5 ones. Okay. So I have used the DualShock 3. Um, You know, DualShock... The original DualShock, the DualShock 2, the DualShock 3. Mm-hmm. And then I've used the Wii, or not the Wii, the game that, you know, all of the weird Nintendo controllers. And the Pro controllers um, are basically Xbox controllers. And I, I just, uh, my hand prefers the Xbox controller. Yeah, well, uh, I've had, well, the 360 controller and the PlayStation 4 controller. And I prefer the PlayStation 4, mostly because it kind of just fits nicely in my hand. And also, the added heft from the chat pad definitely helps. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, third-party Switch controller I have, uh, it's alright. It's a little lighter than what I would like. Part of me wants to crack it open and put, a, like, a lead weight in it. Because, right... Yeah, you could do that pretty easily too. Yeah, I mean it's not, but it's not a bad controller either. Uh, Joy Cons, I kind of hate the Joy Cons without uh, some sort of grip on them because my hands are like too fat for them. I just like the Joy Cons if I'm using them without the little like plastic controller attachment or just on the side of the switch. Like I, uh, I just like them just you know free handing it. I have a handle that my switch slides into uh that uh gives me extra heft onto the uh, joy cons if i'm playing it in handheld mode and i found it far more enjoyable that way it's not like the one that beat em up sold but similar to that yeah where it's you know like a textured grip and it, it the joy cons always felt like they were too small you know, like, they were made for, you know, like, a teenager, right? Yeah. Or just people with smaller hands. I have pretty pretty big hands, pretty fat hands. Yeah, I'd imagine you my, do, too. Yeah, ring, uh, well, I have pretty fat hands, and I, my ring size is hula hoop. <laughs> what is your ring size? Uh, I wasn't able to actually calculate it. My ring when, size is a 13. Uh... I was wanting to say it's even bigger than that because tried to calculate it and it's like, no, that, I had to measure that wrong and I never tried it again. And I was like at 15 or 16. Yeah. I got one of those rings, you know, sizer things, just basically the plastic mm-hmm. uh, credit card looking thing that has the different 
holes in it, and you just put your finger through till you find one that fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me, I was uh, actually using a pair of calipers to measure the width of my finger and calculate it off that. So not as fun as fingering a credit card, but it's up there. <laughs> I do love fingering things, you know. Uh, and if you wish to tell us uh, things that you would like to finger, you could do so by emailing us, vglpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us, uh, vglpodcast, on the Twitter, as long as that hasn't burnt to the ground. Or drop out the Discord, which you'll find a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Yep. What time so, is it? 11.30. We got time for a discovery queue. <laughs> Uh, time to hit the music one last time for the year, because, right? Yep, let's doobly-doo on over to a Discovery queue. And, I and gotta of move course, all I my... get high on life right immediately. Yeah, I gotta move <laughs> all my, my paint shit out of the way. Sitting here in front of my keyboard. High on life, it looks like it would actively piss me off. I, I really think it would. I really think playing it would make you mad. Just shut up. All of you shut up. Well, my, my, so, all right, I'm setting all this to the side. I'm done painting for tonight, but I painted five battle mechs while we were sitting here talking. They already had their primer on, so they got their, their color scheme. Desert camo is what I went for. All right, key, that's moving out of the way. Keyboard slid back down my desk. Uh, do you have one, or should I just go for another one? Go for another one. I'm clicking uh, Discovery Q right now. So, for a little bit of a uh, cautionary tale, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, because microtransactions in a uh, single-player game, a bunch of uh, DLC on top of it that's uh, high-priced. It's 50% off, and it's $64 right now. Yeah. Right? Although, to be fair, yeah, season pass does kind of double the price on that, so... Mm. Uh, but... Uh, Easy Allies actually uh, was talking about how it just wears out its welcome. It's, tw- like, twice as long as it should be. And I can definitely see that. That's kind of Assassin's Creed in a nutshell these days. So, uh, if, yeah. you, if you absolutely must have Assassin's Creed, well, this is the most Assassin's Creed that Assassin's Creed can creed. Of course. So just, uh, I also got high on life, but I skipped past it because I talked about it already. Uh, and then I got Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion Remaster. Um, I never played this before. It's, Final Fantasy VII had several things that came out after it was so popular. Yeah. That, uh, and that, Final Fantasy VII just feels weird, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I've never played Crisis Core. It looks neat. Looks like, you know, Final Fantasy VII. The the remake of Final Fantasy VII. But this says it's a remaster, not the remake. So, I, I don't know. Maybe this was like a third-person action game thing to start. But, you know, it seemed worth talking about. It's 50 bucks. Fucking Square Enix never makes anything uh, cheap. Uh, okay, uh, hot take. Hot take. I, Go for it. I, I really feel like Final Fantasy VII, it wasn't that great of a story to have how many games uh, in this universe now? And how many uh, different stories and movies and anime? And It was interesting, but they, they've worn it so thin. 
Yeah, but you and I are both on record as saying that we have other games in the Final Fantasy series that we think are better. You know, we we have different ones, but we both are like, yeah, no, Final Fantasy VII, not really our jam. True. It, it just feels like they wear the ever-living hell out of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Agreed. So, I got, uh, speaking of games... Uh, Duelist 2, and this is like a fan re... well, not really remaster, but uh, according to one of the top comments, or one of the top reviews, it's a fan revival of a game. Uh, they were able to re- acquire the license and basically bring back an old game. So, interesting. A deck-building strategy game, which oh boy, we haven't seen one of those before, right? Nope. Haven't seen one of those in a while, though. True. They tend to kind of shit themselves uh, uh, in the end, so... It's nice to see, uh, you know, the fans be able to, you know, bring a game back that they enjoyed, so there is that. Not sure... It is free-to-play, so... Uh, I'm not sure if this is... I'm assuming this is multiplayer-focused, so... It's going to be a bit of a issue if the game doesn't take off like yeah. most things like this yeah so I got Marvel's Midnight Suns which I don't totally understand uh, where this game is coming from because it says play as the hunter a legendary demon slayer who must lead a team of superheroes and supernatural warriors facing apocalyptic threats i don't know who that is i don't know if that's a more modern marvel character or if that's just like an insert but it's a turn-based tactics game made by the people who made xcom so i'm into that i'm into xcom uh with marvel characters yes yes please i want that so I'll probably be buying this at some point. It looks like it came out a couple weeks ago. I didn't hear anything about this game, but it's it's going to be at the top of my list for when it goes on sale because I don't want to pay sixty bucks for it. Oh, well, let's put it this way: I searched the Hunter Marvel, and only thing that really pops up is Craven the Hunter. Uh, I don't know with, who that uh, is. So. Uh, with the, which is the Spider Man, one of the Spider Man. Uh, uh, Anti-heroes? Not really villain, but... Yeah. Uh, looks like it's a customizable Marvel superhero, so, yeah, this game only. Cool. So, so I got... Uh, let me make... Yeah. Predecessor. A fast-paced action game that combines MOBA and FPS gameplay. Because we haven't had that before, right? Yep. Uh, I, I, okay, I'm being facetious because... Boy, have we had some games really fail that's try to combine this. But it actually doesn't look too bad. It is early access. It's pay-to-play, uh, which is a little troublesome. Uh, you know, trying to get a player base. I, I kind of want to go in and try to find the player stats, because I have a feeling it's going to be funny. So, let's see. Uh, actually, a lot more than I thought. Uh, all-time peak was 18 days ago at 7,339. 24-hour peak at 2,700. So not a massive amount of players, but a hell of a lot more than I was expecting. 
Yeah. So hmm. it'll be it'll be nice if we could see one of these MOBA FPS games actually, you know, get off the ground and you know stabilize because we've seen well, Monday Night Combat was kind of the first one that kind of did the combo. And then that got fucked over by the sequel, like shifting to the sequel, which shifted development to consoles and just was never able to take off there. Uh, I'm blanking on a couple of other ones. God damn it. Now, I'm blanking on the one that had the DNA mechanic in it. I don't I don't know which one that was. Battleborn or? or uh, I don't or, think Battleborn had a DNA mechanic. Maybe or, it did. Uh, there was one that basically it was building up a, a character uh, uh, picking between one or two uh, stats or uh, talents with uh, like a DNA in the background. So it might have been Battleborn. Or, uh, but we've seen uh, quite a few of these. And they've you know, all kind of just fizzled. So it'd be nice to see one actually take off. How about that? Yeah. So uh, what's your next one? Yeah, Sonic Frontiers, um, which I think looks pretty interesting. Um, it's an quote-unquote open-world Sonic adventure game, which has yeah. been very, you know, divisive among the yeah, Sonic community. Yeah, I will say definitely divisive. Ooh. It's got good reviews on Steam, like mostly overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam, but I have seen the community split pretty pretty much down the middle on this one, at least those who post on Reddit and forums and whatnot. But, I mean, my favorite two Sonic games, or, my, well, my favorite Sonic game of all time was Sonic Adventures 2, which was close to this. And then after Sonic Adventures 1 and 2, like, they stopped doing the uh, exploratory bits of the games, you know, for a while. And I, I like that. And I think there's room in the market for an open-world Sonic game if they actually, you know, do it right. And I've heard some good things about this game. Um, but, you know, looks looks interesting. Might be one that I come back definitely come, doesn't look come play. as bad as some of the preview stuff uh, made it look. Because, oh boy, remember that? Yeah. Uh, I will say that it does look more cohesive than what it originally uh, looked like. Although there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of you know, floating off in the middle of, uh, of the void that feels like it was you know kind of slapdash together, but that's yeah. also kind of you know Sonic Team's thing, huh? Yep. Not throwing shade at all, right? Nope. So how about some River City uh, Girls? Okay. Uh, how about two of them? Because it's River City Girls too. Uh, beat uh. Kind of a throwback to the old beat 'em ups uh, once again, where the girls are trying to save their boyfriends. And no, actually, no, I'm not being facetious. That's actually the, or at least the plot of the first one. I'm not sure if that's the plot of the second one as well. But it's basically a role reversal on the, uh, on their boyfriends getting, uh, uh captured and uh, the their girlfriends uh, trying to save them, and that. Uh, a callback to the old River City Rampage, which was on the original NES. So, very old uh, just franchise that's kind of uh, been resuscitated. Yeah. 
this does have a, a bit more going on uh, than just a beat em up. So, alright. Uh, some power ups, uh, buying shit. I think some mini games thrown in for good measure and some over the top uh, combat. So, good times to be had. Good times to be had. So, I got the Callisto Protocol, which, when you look at it, looks like it should be in the Death Stranding universe but actually this is a spiritual successor to uh dead space um so very you know gory yeah, yeah body this, horror. Uh, uh this was a very uh, uh uh brain fart this was a very hyped up indie game wasn't it or uh, i guess not indie game but yeah like double a uh, level game that just was it as good as promised, if I recall correctly? That is what I have heard about it. I mean, yes, it was a double A level, you know, developer budget, um, and they it seems like they over promised, under delivered. I don't know. I will never play this game. No, so no idea if it's good or bad. Um, it's just not my kind of game. I did not like Dead Space mostly because I'm too much of a little bitch to play. Horror I'm games sure like will, that. I'm sure it'll pop up sometime during Game Club. Yay. <laughs> but, um... Because there's you only know, so many spooky games that we have, right? Yeah. But I do think, you know, that, that it's, it's still noteworthy enough to be highlighted, you know? So, Callisto Protocol. Okay, so I have Blacktail. Which, let me paste that in. There you go. Uh, Forge the Legend of... Baba Yaga, a girl accused of witchcraft and expelled from her home. Oh, Baba Yaga. Uh, yep. Well, I completely butchered the name, so. But Slavic uh, mythology and first-person shooting and deer and cats and actually a very pretty game for uh, once again, it feels like that double-A uh, level of uh, the developer. Yeah. Uh, this is from the same publisher that did Hard Space Shipbreaker and actually quite a bit of shit. Hey, how about that? I'll say the publisher of Snowrunner. Ooh, interesting. So, uh, I mean, it doesn't really say a lot because there's a lot of stuff that they've done. Uh, the Surge uh, Cities XXL because, right? Yeah. Uh, this, yeah. Is, uh, this is a very, you know, like double A focused, uh, publisher and this looks like one of their larger games that they've done so yeah i mean uh, slavic myths is always a, a fun area to go into you know something different right yeah baba yaga to anyone listening is very roughly uh in line with like what we think of as the boogeyman you know just this sort of entity that comes in the night and yeah i didn't kills... recognize the name at all and i'm not familiar with it at all either so yeah uh anyway continue yeah i mean you know it just captures and or kills you know people kids who have been bad just one of those classic folk tales to you know you better not step one inch out of line or you're gonna fucking wind up dead <laughs> but anyways you know that's in, in, I guess you could say, English mythology or, you know, uh, cryptid tradition, the Boogeyman is probably the closest um, direct com- comparison. But, uh, yeah. 
So let's see, I got the Triangle Strategy, which is a turn-based tactics RPG uh, made by the people who did Bravely and Octopath Traveler. Um, it, I mean, it looks gorgeous. Very pretty art style. Um, kind of a combination of what looks like sprite art and then some like 3D graphic stuff. Um, I mean, it does see HD 2D graphics, so they're, I think it's probably doing more like tilt shifting or perspective shifting to give the yeah. 3D effect. Yeah, yeah, this it is looks kind of, very uh, cool. This is uh, Square Enix's yeah, two and a half D thing that they've been doing uh, since uh, Octopath Traveler. Yeah, which is a interesting twist on you know, uh, on an art style, right? Yeah. So I got Sydney Skylines Financial Districts, and this looks like a very very focused DLC. And usually I don't highlight DLC, but since this was a game club game, and eh, right, yeah. uh, the the main thing it looks like it's trying to rebalance how the budget ha- is handled, especially if your city gets tanked because of a natural disaster or you know, shit going down. Or shit going up if you, you know, uh, have your poop pool uh, overflow. <laughs> right. So, uh, invest your uh, money uh, into the stock market. Uh, level up uh, your... Uh, uh, investment funds with a stock exchange, uh, bank buildings uh, for a new ser- city service. Uh, right? I mean, it feels very targeted. In uh, City Skylines, it's kind of gotten some DLC fatigue with me. Right? Yeah. I mean, I really like the game, but if I wanted to get into it and ha- yeah, feel like I have you know all the game, or yeah, the complete package, I'm looking at quite a bit of DLC to jump in, even if you you catch it right now and like it's on sale. So I would have three or four major DLC to look at at and decide if I want. Right? Yeah. It just makes me step away from it. The fact that they have over $200 worth of DLC now, right? Yep. I mean, that's up there in, you know, The Sims franchise you know so i got uh starcom unknown space um i don't know i should actually go look let me go look real quick i don't know if this is made by the same people who made the game called starcom nexus it would make sense that that's the case okay so i have played starcom nexus um and they're saying that this is very similar to that so what it is it's it's an open world air quotes open world space exploration game it's uh top down um and you are space explorers um and in this one it looks like so in starcom nexus you wind up warped into like an unknown sector of space and your ship is like badly damaged almost destroyed and your the the campaign is exploring the system that you're in to try to figure out where how you got there and you build your spaceship up and there's a lot of customization you unlock different parts can build different parts as you play and turn your ship into uh, from a little scout ship into a battleship to fight your way home it looks like this is expanding upon all of that looks like there's a lot more openness to it researching tech trees 
Um, looks like you can create more sort of customized vessel types, trade ships, exploration ships, battleships, carriers, mining vessels, etc. Um, so it looks like they've just kind of taken the concept and expanded it. Starcom Nexus is a really good game. So if this is at least as good as Starcom Nexus, I think this one will be one worth buying. Um, it is an indie title, so... Uh, but actually, Nexus didn't really have any major issues that I can remember. It's been a while since I've played it. Nexus is two or maybe three years old now. Um, but I don't remember there being any major issues with it. So I'm actually going to put this one near the top of a, a list for myself as well to, to look at buying coming into the new year. It's on a looks like a launch release sale of 15%. I mean, it's 20 bucks at full price. Right now, it's only 17 I'd buy that. I'd pay $17 for this game, sight unseen. Shit, I might do that. Uh-oh. I'll think about it. Or you do have the Steam Summer or Steam Winter Sale, sorry, coming up. So, yeah. All right. Yep. So, I got melatonin, which. You sleepy? Is, Need a nap? It's, it's possibly a good thing, right? <laughs> uh, it's a rhythm game about dreams and reality merging together, according to the Steam page. It has some very, like, trippy dream-influenced indu- er, dream rhythm games. Like, you're flying a spaceship and you're uh, shooting lasers based on the background music. Uh, uh, another one of the, uh, of the little clips in the uh, uh, trailer has a guy uh, uh, batting at uh, uh, clocks. But not uh, like he's in a batting cage, and some possible like level editing and remixing going on as well. I mean, it's very cutesy. It's very feels very like uh, well dream oriented, but also just you know otherworldly. You know, like there's a, a kid on a flying chair. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. I have a feeling drugs were involved in the creation of this game. Probably. Not that's sure probably that's a good mel- thing. Uh, I mean, definitely some melatonin, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not sure about a $15 price tag, but if you're really into the rhythm games, there you go. So, uh... Dune Awakening, my next one. I've got one more after this one, so let's see, what, see if that's good or not. But Dune Awakening. Um, looks like Dune uh, had more than one game tie-in. This one is an open-world survival crafting MMO. I don't... The theme fits for Dune. Like, you know, you're scrapping out there on the on Arrakis, the desert planet, trying to mine stuff. But, I don't know. I don't feel like this is going to go well. Just... Is it free? Is it going to be free to play? It's not out. When does it release? It just says, to be announced. If this is a free-to-play MMO, garbage. I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. If it's a subscription-based MMO, it'll be dead in less than a year and transition to free-to-play and be garbage. If it's buy once and actually, like, a huge amount of it is, like, single-player content, it might be worth it. Just, man, MMOs are hard sells in the, you know, the year of our Lord current year. Hard sells, yeah. I don't know. One I mean, to watch. Especially with the time investment, right? Yeah. One to watch. 
and my final game was a porn game. So nice. So I got though. I got one more. Harvestella. It's made by Square Enix. And this looks like somebody said, hey, you know that Final Fantasy XIV MMO that's so popular? What if we made that more single player? That's that's what this reminds me of. Because this, like, I'm, I've never played Final Fantasy XIV, but I've watched a decent amount of people play it on the YouTubes. And list like reading through all of this uh, on the about the game, like talking about like the job system and um, some of the things of like what you're supposed to do every day. This feels like they said, let's make Final Fantasy 14 a single player game where that you focus on farming and crafting and then go out and fight stuff for your crafting materials. And honestly, I'm here for that. It doesn't say it has any connection to Final Fantasy 14, but given that it's Square Enix uh, developed and published, did, I mean, this really does look like Final well, Fantasy Well, there's like a, a, some sort of major boom going on in the, heart, in the uh, farming sim games. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure if it was the last Nintendo Direct or the one before it. The last one I watched, I should say. There may have been one since then. There was a good, like half dozen different farming games show up. Yeah, I think it's the effect that Stardew Valley had. And it's just taken this long for the bigger developers like Square Enix to really uh, yeah, move to get to this point. I do... Yeah, uh, it, yeah this was uh, the higher-priced one. This also popped up on Switch uh, since then. Most of them were in the 30 or sub-$30 range. And this one was a full press release, right? Yeah. But, you know, I'm here for it. Uh, I The one thing that has kept me from playing Final Fantasy XIV is that it's an MMO. I just don't have the time or the energy to invest or the money to invest into an MMO, you know? So, but, I mean, you take MMO gameplay mechanics and you put them in single-player games, I'm here for that. So I will happily play what is basically, or at least, at least to my eye, looks basically like an offline version of Final Fantasy XIV. I'm here for it. All right. Yep, but that that was the last one in my queue. Yeah, and like I said, my last one was not one I could really talk about. Unfortunately, no Hitler, so. <laughs> no Hitler. So once again, if you wish to contact us as Jared hopefully... Uh, edited out a good majority of my hawking, uh, hacking and coughing because I'm still coming down off of illness and this much talking definitely triggered something. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, you could, well, you could talk to contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com. You could contact us via the Twitter, assuming it hasn't burnt down, vglpodcast, or you drop by the Discord, which you find a link to that over at VGLpodcast.pondbead.com. And I'm waiting for you uh, ask, uh, for the socials. Right. Hey, Rage, why don't you uh, hit him <laughs> with the socials? Sorry, it's been a while since we've done a discovery queue. And I, forgot, <laughs> I forgot what I'm supposed to say when I'm finished. Hey, Rage, uh, that's, that's why I was kind of just pedaling along. It's like, okay, you're supposed to ask me about socials. Yep, Come on. hit him with them socials. Come on, wake up. <laughs> I'm awake. I'm just. Do something. Stop painting. Um, I wasn't painting. <laughs> uh. I've been in Caffeine Rage. You can find me sometimes tweeting over at Gaming with CR 
Or if you're supposed to be my friend on Steam, a caffeine rage over there. You've been? I've been, Jared. Uh, if you want to see me do stuff until the site burns down and the lights turn off and the doors close, you can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. You can find me sometimes over on twitch.tv slash runicarts. Um, Wednesday nights is the one that I'm most commonly going to be running a tabletop game for. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade is what we play on Wednesdays when I'm running that game. Um, you can also talk to me on our Discord. You can become my friend on Steam if you want to, jarthur4707. And uh, I guess if you want to drive all the way to Tennessee or fly here, you could be like, hey, I'd like to meet you. And I'll be like, why the Don't fuck do, do you want to do that? Like, why the trap. fuck do you want to it's do that? Trap. But then I'll then I'll come meet you. Yeah, you'll wake up in his murder basement. I do have a murder basement now. I have an unfinished half to my basement. So murder basement, Tom. But yeah, that's Those, that's all my stuff. Yeah. Well, I've already given our link, so uh our lovely, lovely patrons have made this badness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash feedjob podcast. If you wish to find links to all our stuff, you can find us at vglpodcast.podbeat.com. And we are on your podcatcher of choice if you wish to spread the love. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and our discovery cue music is doobly doo, both by Kevin McCloy. Both can be found at incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See ya. Bye bye.